0: This poem was written in Spanish. The scene centers on Salome, and we're hearing some of the lines in translation. I am the jewel appraiser, and I bring the princess ruby and pearl tiaras, jade and amethyst bracelets, She has tried on bangles and earrings, necklaces of the rarest stones, beryl and obsidian combs, tourmaline and hyacinth clasps, rings of turquoise and diamonds, belts of polished sapphires. Those lines are probably straightforward enough. Toward the end, the diction is more complex. I close my eyes, I just want a kiss, she gets too close to pay off her debt, I have the blood sand of the desert on my lips. The phrase, I have the blood sand of the desert on my lips, may have given a moment's pause to the translator of this poem by Julieta León, a prize-winning poet born in Caracas in Venezuela, a musician and an artist who studied philosophy and letters at university. In 2005, she received the Jose Antonio Ramos Sucre Literary Biennial Prize, one of the most prestigious of its kind. And the honored work was her collection titled MALL, M-A-L-L. Dr. Jesus Salacelorza, professor in the Department of Languages and Cultures at Bloomsburg University, a poet himself, encountered Julieta Leon in Chicago, and was convinced that Mall, her important volume, should be available in English, and he had a vision for how that could happen. To mark National Hispanic Heritage Month, WVIA's Mindy Kronk spoke by phone with Dr. Salas-Alorsa about the Mall project and about his own
1: work. I began writing in, in Spanish, but uh, lately I'm. Um writing, you know, in, uh, in both languages almost at the same time. Actually, if I write a poem, maybe the poem is going to, the first line's going to be in, in Spanish, the second in English, so I'm intermixing a little bit of both languages probably to reflect a little bit that um, in a certain way I'm, uh, in spite of the fact that I'm probably multicultural, I would say I'm also bicultural in this case, concerning uh, the United States and then being from Mexico. So that's that's what I actually uh, do lately. My poems I, I I have changed slightly in the way I used to write before the pandemic. I would say.
2: And before the pandemic, was it strictly Spanish?
1: N- no, I was still writing in both languages, but um, separate. For example, I would write something in Spanish, and I would read it in Spanish at a gathering of the reports. And then I would translate it into English and read it in English. Nowadays, what I do is I interchange, or I would say, if a poem is in English, I write it. I write the first lane in English, the second one, which is the same lane, but in Spanish. I translate it at the same time, and I read it one one in English and one lane in English, one lane in Spanish. So the same poem sometimes
2: any feedback from the other poets?
1: When I started re- reading that in that way they actually said that they like, they like it, well they enjoy it more because it makes them listen more carefully to what is being said in both languages and the fact that some of them speak a little bit of Spanish or read a little bit of Spanish and they enjoy the sounds of the language as well. So that probably is, is a plus, and from now on, obviously, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm writing in that way to please the audience, the readers.
2: And you did a project with the River Poets where you translated <laughs> from a Venezuelan poet?
1: Yes, actually, um, I, I believe I started talking to the um, River Poets, to the group. One day when I went, I went to Chicago to a, it was an international poetry uh, event organized by the city of Chicago and DePaul University and another Western university, I think. And there was where I met Julieta León, a Venezuelan poet. And um, when I came back to Bloomsburg, I started reading her poems and I came across one of a collection of poems called Mall. Then I came with the idea, I said, why not to propose River Poets to do something, to do a translation then we can uh, present our translation here at, in Bloomsburg at the uh, River Reports Gathering. But then I came up with the idea: no, it has to be beyond just reports. And so I applied for a grant from the university, from Bloomsburg University, and I came up with the uh, the idea that they, they would actually said they were, they were very enthusiastic, and they said yes, we should translate the poet and. It became, obviously, that it would it would take place at Abunzo University and where the community and the students would be involved as well after the uh, translation okay, was done. So the title of this uh, event would be An Encounter with uh, the Poet Julieta, Julieta León and the Poetry, Diversity, Community, and Translation. And it was presented, actually, in April. In April, it was the the conference with Julieta, and we presented also part of the translation of her poems to her. It was a very long process because since she was in Venezuela, every now and then we needed feedback from her as we were proceeding with the translation. And it was interesting, very, very, very interesting, because it was very difficult at some points on uh, what she really meant because her uh, poems are kind of uh, disjointed poems. They know where is the ending of the verse, for example, where, does the other, where is the subject and so on. So it was, it was, it was quite a challenge to do it. But um, we did work very diligently. We used to have our gatherings at a um, Columbia Mall, actually at um, Michael DeMarco's office. Michael DeMarco is, is a non-for-profit wastewater cooperative manager. And so the people who were involved were people from the community and also professors. Okay, there was at least one retired professor, another professor from the Department of Mathematics. This professor, Richard Brooke from a Philosophy, a retired professor. Susan Weber, a physical therapist. Susan Brooke, a writer, a feature writer. Janet Locke, who used to be an assistant in the Department of Anthropology. Richard Sweeney, who was also a retired English professor, and you, you name it, and myself, obviously. So it was interesting because it was from different points of view, lots of feedback, and as I said, very a very diligent um, group of colleagues working on this project. And um, it took i believe it took around two years to complete the translation. And obviously, we wanted to finish it by the time Julieta Leon would be here with us at the university. But in the meantime, during the process, even before she she came, she was to come in April 2016. And before before Julieta came in, we gave it a try as well, reading the poems at another university, at Penn State University. We were invited by. Um, what they call this, it's an association of graduate students, the Penn State uh, Americanists, and um, they dedicate themselves to do studies of um, literature from uh, the Americas, the American Hemisphere, and they also do some sort of national phenomenon, they say, and they specialize mostly on the emphasis on on, um, literatures of the Americas. And um, we were invited to read, and we went. Went to read, it was quite an experience, quite an experience because we knew we had to, to face certain things. Actually, we kind of made a list of uh, things that we were thinking. What were we doing there? What would be the challenges? How a project, for example, come about? Who were the people involved in the individuals? How so was it the translation team, etc. What is it we were bringing to the project and so on? It was great, a great experience. The rewards also were great because being invited to have a reading at the uh, Penn State Americanist was a great accomplishment even before we uh, had Julieta with us here at Bloomsbury University. This was a very, very, very good um, project. On the other hand, what we did once Julieta was with us, obviously was to uh, prepare ourselves, involved some of our colleagues here in the Department of Languages and Cultures and the colleagues would also make selections, made selections of students who would translate, for example, some of the poems and present them a reading, a public reading that we had at the university. So that was also very beautiful, I would say, event where students gave it a try in translating poems and seeing the results by reading them in public. What
2: languages did they translate her work into?
1: Yes, some of the languages that were used obviously was, for example, English, French, Spanish, Italian, I think it was Russian as well, and German. So those were the languages that were used to translate some of the poems. And the idea was to publish the poems that were translated, but actually we never did. And a few days ago, I think I came across, I don't have it here at hand, but I came across one of them in French. And it was it's amazing the, way, the, the work the students did. It involved, I mean, to involve, for example, all the faculty, we are 10 faculty members here at the university, and involve the students as well, involve the community, the poets from um, River Ports. That was quite a task, but it was just an amazing project. And the outcome was also incredible.
2: And was that the first time there had been that collaborative project between the River Poets and the students and the faculty in this way that you know of?
1: Yes. Yes. Actually, that was probably the first time that we, we did it that way. Usually the community is involved in some events, but this was probably more complex than anything else we had ever down here at Bloomsbury university because it is it is not easy i mean to have <laughs> professors well we work most of the time we work with the community but also bringing the community and beyond the community bringing an international figure to to the department to the university to the to the community make it accessible to the students involve the students and then do something that is very relevant to the university and then publish the book Besides that, the the book was published later. Okay, once the poet was around, I think like probably uh, six months later or a year later, we had the book published as well and in a bilingual edition. So that says more about how the project went because now the book obviously is a plus for the university and for our department as well. What we do, what we can do. And because of the excitement of, of this collaboration with the uh River Ports, actually they said, Well, we should do another one and yes, I think we should. And we probably will. I was even thinking very recently, okay, there's another poet probably I know a Puerto Rican poet who was recently given an international award by an organization in Mexico and I think she could be next if she if she agrees to that. Actually, I think we should do it because it is it is important. It's important to the community. It's important to us as, as a Department of Languages and Cultures.
2: What do you feel is gained when you read poetry or literature in another language or hear it, whether you read it or hear it? What makes that important?
1: Well, reading it and listening to it, you, you can see that it all depends, because there are all kinds of people, people who enjoy the sounds of another language, people who may be listening to the message of uh, the poet, the poetry, what does the poem is communicating. But um, for me, is all of it. It's the message, it is the sounds of uh, the other language, the way the languages, another language can make you feel. And sometimes you don't even need to know understand the other language to understand what the poem can communicate to you. You can feel it just through the reading as well sometimes. I read other languages. I listen to other languages and I'm always looking for feelings. How do I feel? What does that language, even the sounds communicate to me, even if I do not know what they're saying? Yes.
2: And um, you did some work more recently that appeared in the Exchange Galleries exhibit called What yes. I Did in Quarantine. <laughs> can, can you describe what you created and what inspired that?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I believe it was the quarantine, obviously the COVID quarantine was a way to use that time that we had in our hands to do something. In this case, I decided that I had to do something and this and I said, well, I don't have masks for myself and for my family, I should start creating something while there's a production of masks available to us. And I started by doing something very simple, very very simple, and as time went by, I said, well, I believe I can do more than that, and I started creating masks, recycling, actually recycling I didn't have cloth uh, available, but I saw a pair of old jeans. And I said, I can do something with this. And I started to create masks, the clothes from the jeans. And I said, well, whatever comes, there will be any design, anything will come out of it. And I started just embroidering, embroidering, embroidering. And obviously, embroidering was making me think of managing my time, managing my thinking, managing my creativity, not only embroidering, but thinking about other things that I could could do and, and so on actually my first mask was a face and it's probably the, one of the most complex embroidered faces ever I've, I've made. The other masks were I think there's a mask with a parrot face and the parrot came out to be very very well done, very well a very nice parrot face. the next was a wrestler, a Mexican wrestler. the fourth one was a mask that had on the one side a face with complete features, and on the other side it had the Mexican motif of a skull, a skull. And I believe after that mask, I started creating more masks with two different sides, two different faces. And that's when at the exchange, they were actually requesting people to present some art It could be any art, they said. And the theme of it was the doppelganger, the doppelganger, which means duality, I believe, in German. And I said, well, why not? Or similarity of like twin people who look very similar. But I said, no, I'm not going to do the similarities. I'm going to do the dualities. And I came up with some masks that actually reflect that concept of duality. And embroidery, embroidery was Something new to me this is the first time I was doing it, but I wouldn't say that I didn't know how to do it. I believe I grew up seeing my sisters, my mother, my grandmother, doing embroidery and knitting, etc. And then in um, middle school, we had a class, I remember that. Today I was thinking about it, in which we were involved, all students had to do embroidery. We had to do welding. We had to do carpentry. Cooking. So I believe I had the basic knowledge of how to do embroidery, and that is why I believe I was very much engaged in, in doing it. And after I did the, uh, the actual embroidery, I decided to recycle and create other things. So I think a, a piece of uh, some sort of paper that was used to protect some, something, I don't remember what it was. It came in a box and so on. I said, well, wow, this looks so good. So I'm going to try to create something. And I I created some sort of um, small tapestries in which I use also thread and other yarn, etc. But then at the end, my last piece was a long piece that I would consider would be a memorial for those who have died of COVID-19. And I use a Mexican motif, in which I created two parts on the tapestry. The middle to the bottom would represent the underworld, and from the bottom up, it would represent heaven. And I call it Sempasuchit, because Sempasuchit is the name of marigolds, but which in the Nahuatl, Nahuatl, the language of the Aztecs, one of the cultures of Mexico, it means the flower or the rose Of the dead. So that was, that tapestry was in honor of, of those who had died of COVID and connecting the underworld with heaven through crosses. And the motive was the flower and some faces like raising up to heaven as well. That was my last project
2: and and that was one that was included in the exhibit as i understand it
1: yes it was included in the in the exhibit at uh, the exchange yes and i provided a small explanation of what it meant so that people could understand the message behind it and that is um what actually i i did in the in that project of uh, the masks and the other embroidery and, and the other works
2: you drew on experiences you had when you were younger to create things that you probably weren't expecting to create when you sat down to do it.
1: Yes, exactly, because, you know, it is, I think sometimes we grow up and things get embedded in our minds and probably does one of them, creativity, because I remember that even um, as a child, I would create things, particularly I would work with clay, a lot with clay and other stuff. I remember creating a little TV small TV for my sisters, for my younger sisters. I was probably like around 8, 10 years old, maybe. And I remember I said, well, we don't have a TV, but I created one. And I had two sides. It was, a, I think be a, it was a box, and it had like a little window where it was, it's a plastic. So I created the strip, and I, I drew lots of little figures, and then I pretended like I was... Behind the TV, and I was, I started to in, disenroll or roll on the strip of images, and my sister would sit, sit down in front of it, and it was just a great experiment. Not always good, because there were bad things as well that happened to me. Creating a stove, for example, a stove with all batteries and setting fire to it, it was not a good experience because the batteries exploded. <laughs> okay? So those were kind of the, um, childhood experiences, creating things all the time, trying to do something, and obviously sometimes hiding them from my parents or from other people. I didn't want people to see what I was doing. I wouldn't feel comfortable, but I was creating things all the time.
0: Jesus Salas Elorza, professor in the Department of Languages and Cultures at Bloomsburg University. Dr. Salas Alorza is a poet himself, and director of a project to translate the significant collection of poetry more by the Venezuelan writer Julieta León He spoke with WVIA's Mindy Cronk If you'd like more information about Dr. Salas Elorza it's facebook.com/jesus.s.elorza J E S U S dot S dot E L O R Z A Jesus dot S dot Elorza.